Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Happy New Year. Is this like the, uh, like, no man's land right here? <laughs> All right. I see what the rules are when we get to West Milford. That's cool. <clears throat> well, hey, Happy New Year. It is great to be with you all again. We're trying to think about when we were here last, and I don't really remember. Uh, so maybe end of the spring last year. So I'm looking out, and there's some faces I recognize from the last time we were here, and a whole bunch of you that I haven't seen before. So Great to be here with you all. Let me pray for us, and we are going to dive in because we have a lot to get through. Amen? Generally, when you're a preacher, you always have a lot to get through. So, uh, But I won't be back here next week. You'll get Pastor Andrew back fully refreshed, maybe donning a new tan. Who knows, you know? But uh, let's pray for our time. Father, thanks for this morning that you've given us. Uh, thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here today to worship you to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, uh, we just want to give you this time. Uh, Lord, we want to give you our undivided attention. Uh, Lord, uh, and part of me, because of the fast, doesn't even really know what's going on outside uh, today, the world, if there's football games or whatever may be preoccupying our minds. Um, God, we lay those things at the feet of Jesus. Uh, and Lord, we, we look to you to hear from you today. So bless us, God, in these few moments we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. <clears throat> there is a game at the arcade that I absolutely loathe. I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, but it is the claw game. How many of you have ever played that claw game before? Raise of hands. Just Oh, well, a lot of you. And if not you, perhaps your children or your grandchildren have bamboozled you to give them a dollar before inflation, $5 now, maybe even $10, right? Because they want to win that, that special prize that stands behind that plexiglass at every arcade, right? So you know the game well, right? There is a claw that starts off in the middle of this I don't know, two by two, three by three, maybe, you know, plexiglass sort of game. You put your money in, you know, back when I was growing up, these things were filled with like little squishy balls and you used to be able to win those things easily, but not anymore. Now, if you put $10, maybe even $20 in, you can win an iPad. You could win an iPad. You didn't have to spend $700. You could have just put $20 in and won one for yourself, right? So these are the, the prizes that go. But you know how it works. You put money in. There's a joystick. You move that joystick around till you've perfectly placed it above the item you want to win. You press, you press that magical red button. The claw comes down. It amazingly wraps perfectly around the one you were waiting to win. And as it comes up, all of your hopes and dreams, your entire future has been dashed before your eyes. Because no matter how perfectly it was caught in that claw, it slips beyond the claw. And to make matters worse, it comes all the way up, moves into the corner where the opening is, opens up, nothing drops down, and you leave there with nothing. Y'all feel good already in 2023? 
What is it about games like this that draw us in? You see, there's a lie that we have bought into when it comes to that game. And your kids haven't figured it out yet. Or maybe your grandkids haven't figured it out yet. See, there's a lie that we believe is true. Here's the lie. The lie is maybe you'll win. Maybe you'll win. But if you and I looked at that game with the truth that it is unlikely you will win, you'll see that game and just keep on going by, right? But we act on the lie that we believe is true that maybe you'll win. 99.9% of the time, you will lose. And there goes your five bucks, your 10 bucks, right? Why do I bring this up? I bring this up because I, I feel that like this connects with our spiritual journey in engaging with God. I, I think this has a lot to do with God and his kingdom and how we actually engage with God and his kingdom. You see, there's a lie that we believe about the kingdom of God and it's actually flipped or switched to what I just described. You see, we show up to God's kingdom believing that likely we'll lose. Likely, we'll lose. But maybe sometimes, those few moments, we might win. How do I know this to be true? You're like, oh, that, that sounds kind of rough, Omar. It's a, little, it's a little strong out of the gate to make a statement like that in this new year. We want to believe new things. You've written your list of 20 things you want to get done for 2023. Your resolutions are on. You stepped on that scale and you're like, I, that, I'm never going to see that number again, right? Here's the thing, though. We come to God in his kingdom, and how many times have we said, you know what? I don't think I want to pray for that thing anymore. I've asked God for that. I've prayed to God about that. But, but it hasn't come to fruition. Let me just discard that. We come to the kingdom of God believing that likely I'll lose. We come to God and we say, you know what? Let me, let me pray a little more. Let me give a little more. Let me sing a little harder. And, and if I do all those things right then maybe God will give me what I want and he becomes a personal vending machine. Likely, we'll lose. But maybe sometimes, you win. Maybe there's a hope that you have for this year, right? Something that's stirring in your soul, right? And you know that it can only come from God. And yet, so many times, we believe, you know what? For as much as I might want it, maybe God is just going to tell me no at the end of the day. So what's the point? But friends, I have good news for us today. You ready? The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. And this call that went out 2,000 years ago is still true for us today, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is close. The kingdom of God is within reach. It's within your grasp. The question we want to wrestle with today is, how do we grab hold of it? How do we grab hold of it? What does it look like? If you have your Bible, you want to open up to Mark chapter 1. 
Mark chapter 1. It will be there on the screen as well, but if you like to look down at your phone and you don't feel convicted being like, well, you know, it's like being on technology, right? The digital fast. I think it's okay. Mark chapter 1. We're going to pick this up in verse 1. Mark is the second book of the New or Second Testament. We're going to pick this up in verse 1. Mark 1 verse 1. It says this. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Israel, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Mark is wanting to make it very clear that for all that's about to transpire in the rest of this gospel, these key words from Jesus are ones we have to pay attention to. We have to highlight the, the time, the kairos, that, that Greek word kairos that signifies time. We're going to look at that a little bit later at the end of the sermon. It's going to be an important term that we're actually going to be coming back to time and time again over the course of this series. But what is the time that Jesus is addressing here in this period? For 400 years, God has been silent. God hasn't been inactive. God hasn't been aloof. He hasn't been distant, but God has been silent. What this means is God has left himself without a prophetic voice in Israel. There's no prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah or, or Elijah going throughout the nation of Israel giving new revelation, whether it's to the king, whether it's to the priesthood, whether it's to the people. God in this way has been silent. The last time that God spoke was to Malachi. 
the last book of the Old Testament, the last book of the First Testament. That's the last time that God has given any new revelation. But now Mark is saying that God is not just active, but God is speaking once again. Maybe that doesn't move you. Let me, let me say it this way. You own property. Let's make it real easy. You own a house, okay? You own this house. The, the, the title, the deed is in your name. But here's the thing. You don't live in this house. Someone else lives in this house. And you're not collecting rent from their living in there. As a matter of fact, they've moved all of your items out of the house. They put it out to the curb. Someone else has came by and, and picked it up, taken it you know, from you. They've moved in and they made it their own home. They've made it their own home scot-free. This has been going on for over 550 years, okay? So for the last 550 years, property that should belong to you, it has your name on it, the title is in your name, doesn't belong to you. And the reason for this is that your ancestors turned away from God and God actually moved your family out. You see, since the year 586 BC, that was when uh, the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was burned down to the ground. Since that time, the people of Israel have not owned land. They've had uh, no king in place, no real formal palace, right? No strength as a nation, no, no military might. None of those things have existed, okay, since 586 BC. In those first 150 years after 586 BC, the temple's been rebuilt. There's good news. Two waves of Jewish people, of Israelites, have come back into the land. Really good news. It seems like God is on the cusp. All those promises that we heard about way back in the day, we are on the cusp. And then nothing. Silence. Wait, what happened? We rebuilt the temple. We rebuilt Jerusalem. Our, our house is standing there. How come we have not moved back in? And the one person that can give an answer to all of those questions goes radio silent. So it's been like this for the last 15 to 20 generations. It is on this scene that Jesus arrives and he tells the people, the moment you've all been waiting for, the time that has been promised throughout all of scripture, every, every, every uh, work that God has been up to throughout human history, we've hit that moment. That moment is here. That moment is present. Can you feel the anticipation? Maybe someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know that moment you've been waiting for for when you get your property back in and those people that have been living in there scot-free, they move out and you move back in? That time is here. What would be the natural question? Cool. Who do I talk to? Is it my accountant? Is it my lawyer? Right? Like, who, who am I reaching out to? Am I talking to the, you know, to the local politician? Do I have to go to the you know, municipality, municipality building? Jesus says that moment is here. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I sign up? And Jesus says, repent of your sins. This is the first move that he makes. The kingdom of God is near. Repent 
of your sins. That word repent doesn't mean what you think it might mean. If you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard that the term repentance means you've been walking some way in, in your direction in life. And to repent means to do a 180. All you got to do is a 180, right? How many of you have heard that term? You've been in church long enough, right? You go, you go on this way. Repentance is, oh, 180 this way. Repentance is total life change. That's actually not what repentance is. Repentance does play a role into the 180 process. It does play a role into life change. But to repent actually means, the Greek of this means to reconsider. Reconsider. Think differently about something. Think differently about how you've been living, how you've been behaving. In this case, Jesus is saying, I need you all to think differently about your sins. Your sins have been leading you in one way. Your belief about God has been leading you in one way. And I need you to reconsider. You see, Mark is starting off his gospel, and he's saying the kingdom of God is before you. The kingdom of God is at hand. All your hopes, all your dreams, everything you've been waiting on, it's right in front of you. We need you to reconsider. Jesus is saying there is a, let me say it this way. Jesus is saying there's a truth about God that you have believed, but it's actually a lie. I'll say it differently. There's a lie that you have believed about God and yourself. And you need to reconsider it because you've, bought, you've been buying into a lie. Maybe I'll win. It's likely that I'll lose. So how does Jesus challenge this? What is he trying to get the nation to reconsider? On, on, the, on the one hand... Again, God has been silent, right? This is what they've been living in. God, God is a God who speaks. God, is, God does all these marvelous things. The exodus, the, the kingdom, King David, right? All, all of that, all the judges, all the promises, Isaiah, Elijah, the great prophet. We know God is big. We know God is powerful, but, but he's also distant. And maybe God has become so distant to our world that he actually has these promises, but maybe he can't deliver on them anymore. The people have been waiting for a Messiah, waiting for a deliverer. They want to get the Romans off of their back. This is who is occupying their home. If we just got rid of the Romans, we can go back to the former ways. See, see here's the thing. Here's what we miss. We miss as Christians. Like we This ancient way of living, we really can't go back to find this ancient way. It doesn't exist anymore. There's nothing we can look at and say, oh, these people live just like this society, this type of society, what they think, how they think. It doesn't really exist anymore. Okay? But what's, what's going on here is that the nation of Israel said, God, if you gave us back our land, if you allowed us to rebuild the temple and reestablish the priesthood, If you gave us back our palace and most importantly, the king, then God, we can take care of the rest. Every way in which we failed in the past, we will more than make up for it. If you gave it all 
back like it used to be. This is what they're waiting on. And so God's agenda has been convoluted with the social and political agenda of their world. All they're really interested in is having power once again so they can self-regulate, self-direct, self-dictate. And God, this time, we won't let you down. And so Jesus is saying, repent of your sins. What? Repent of what? Number one, repent of your sin that you believe God no longer speaks, that he is somehow silent. Verses two and four allude to this, right? Mark is saying, hey, this is a good news about Jesus. Here's where it began. Remember what Isaiah said about this prophet and messenger that was going to come? But that prophet and messenger was also written about in Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, right? Both of those passages, both of those prophets look to this uh, individual, look to this messenger. We know from the scripture that John the Baptist is that messenger. But here's the thing. God doesn't stop there. There is a prophetic voice, a human prophetic voice in the land, but that's not all. Verse 11 says this, a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Mark is saying God now has a prophetic influence again in the land, but that's not all. God himself is speaking from heaven to earth. God is no longer being silent. Number two, repent of your sin that you believe God is no longer present, that he is distant. We've already seen that the father speaks to his son, Jesus Christ. But here in verse 10, there's something really important. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. That Greek term, splitting apart, only happens about seven or eight times in Scripture. It most happens when the veil is torn. Jesus breathes his last breath, Mark chapter 15, and the veil is torn between the holy to the holiest of holies. The holiest of holies was that place where only the priest could go into once a year to atone for the sins of the entire nation. That place, that reverent place where no other human being except for one priest, one time a year, that veil was torn. And so Mark is bookending his book saying, this is what God is doing. This division that divides humanity and God, God himself was tearing apart, splitting apart. He was removing it entirely. God is once again, and more than he's ever been, present with his people. Number three, repent of your sin that you believe God no longer works, that he is powerless. You're going to see as we walk through Mark together that Mark is a it's a breathtaking gospel, right? And maybe you've never heard that before. Matthew, so com compare gospels just for a second. Matthew, in the first eight, eight chapters of the book, he's building his case. There's a genealogy. There's a bunch of names that none of us can pronounce all that great, right? It's a, just like it's a son of this. And da -da 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 -da. Matthew's saying, I'm building my case. 
I'm building my case that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is Jewish, right, that he, he came into this world. By Mark chapter 8 and 9, the pace picks up. But, sorry, by Matthew uh, 8 and 9, the pace picks up. Mark, on the other hand, is like you're shot out of a cannon. And Jesus is going to heal the demonic. Every person that comes up to him um, that is sick with some kind of illness, Jesus touches and heals. The dead are going to be raised from the grave. Everybody's going to be completely blown away by the authority of Jesus Christ. We're coming at this a million miles an hour. And so what Mark is saying is that when he says the kingdom of God is near, what he's saying is the rule, the reign, the authority, the power, the voice, the work, the presence of God all reach its fulfillment in and through Jesus Christ. This is what it means for the kingdom of God to be near. All of human history reaches its apex in and through Jesus Christ. There's an article um, in Alliance Life, which by the way, let me show you kind of the cover to it. Hold on a second, if I can get to it. You can get this magazine directly sent to your house for the low, low price of nothing. That's cool, right? Um, you can go on cmalliance.org, and you can sign up, actually, to receive. Uh, I think this comes out every two months. So this is uh, the magazine that comes out from our Christian and Missionary Alliance family. You get to hear all these amazing stories from what God is doing all around the world. Planting within the U.S., missionary work overseas. And I'm about to tell you why you should get it. My daughter... I got, I got home earlier this week, and one of my daughters, I won't tell you who, and I'm going to put her on the spot. Uh, I, I, I get to the door. My hands are full. I got my lunch bag. I got the mail. I got, like, my, my coffee cup and my water mug, and I'm, like, you know, grabbed everything, and she opens the door. She's like, oh, Alliance Life. Pulls the magazine from my hand and runs. I'm like, what about the rest of this stuff, right? Help me, child. Please help me. She reads this article as soon as she gets inside, and she throws it on the kitchen counter, and she says, you need to read this. I said, all right, we'll, uh, we'll read it at dinner. I won't tell you what happened when I read it. They, la they laugh at me whenever I read stuff like this. <clears throat> this article is titled, Do You Want to See a Miracle? And so this article is uh, from our international worker, Dee Ulrich. She serves in the Balkans, so like far eastern Europe, you know, getting close to like Central Asia. She's serving in the Balkans, and in 2021, she contracted COVID. She had been in the hospital for a few weeks. Now, here's the thing about hospitals there. Um, nurses don't take care of your day-to-day -day needs. They don't bathe you. They don't change you. They don't switch catheters out for you. Your family members or your close friends must do this. And so you're talking about a hospital that's not like, oh, it's two beds only. No, it's a few beds in a room and then you have all of these other people that are all up in your space as well because they're taking care of their family members. And so she's got COVID. <clears throat> the woman two beds away from her her, her, her family starts to cry because she has just passed away. Uh, she had been sick for a while. She passes away. And, um, you know, they start mourning. She gets prompted by the Holy Spirit. Spirit says, I want you to pray for, they call, in the article, they call her Maria. Not her real name, but they call her Maria. I want you to pray for Maria. Well, D says, God, we don't pray for the dead. So if you're prompting me to pray for this woman, I guess you're planning on resurrecting her. And so she interrupts the family in, in their mourning. And she says, 
can I, she asked for permission, can I pray for your mom? And the son there says, yes, you can, you can go ahead and pray for her, I guess. I don't know, I don't know what that's going to do, but that's nice. <clears throat> she starts to pray. She starts to bless the family. She starts to, to, to bless this woman, Maria. She ends her prayer. Maria sits up in bed and starts talking. Maria sits up in bed and starts talking. This didn't happen once in this. It didn't happen one time in there. It actually happens again. I'm not going to spoil that part of it for you. You should read it. I'm like bawling at the kitchen table, right? Because you're like, what, what, why do you cry? Always crying for stuff like this. Like, I don't know. I love missions, right? She blesses the family. Maria gets up and starts speaking. Dee gets released from the hospital a day later. Maria is also released from the hospital as well. Back to normal life. Repent of your sins. Friends, plant family. We need to repent of our sins. Because I can tell you, I'm in the same boat as you are. It is easy for me to buy into the lie. To buy into the lie that somehow God is not present. That somehow God no longer does the miraculous, no longer does the amazing, no longer does the powerful in our lives. And that somehow God is still silent. We need to repent of our sins. What do you need to repent of? What lie are you believing of the God of the universe who took on flesh and came and dwelt among his people? There's so much happening here in this book. I got to keep going. Okay, point number two. So how do we behold of the kingdom? Number one, repent of your sins. Number two, believe the good news about Jesus Christ. You see, it wasn't enough for Jesus for us just to reconsider. Okay, Think differently about our sins. Reconsider how it is we live. No, there is a call to action. And that call is to believe the good news about Jesus. It's not a cognitive belief. Okay? It's not just a, well, what does 2 plus 2 equal? You believe it, right? Cognitively. Of course. You take a logic class in math and actually 2 plus 2 doesn't always equal 4. I'm not going to get into that because we don't have time for that. And who cares? I don't even remember at this point, right? You're like, that's not true. Oh, it is. The idea of believing is to place your full confidence in, to place your full trust in, okay? It's not cognitive. Again, it's not just, oh, two plus two is four, one plus one is two. Oh, the Yankees will win the World Series next year. No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about here. It means to put your full faith, confidence, and trust into something and so in verses four and five john tells the people it's don't just repent but be baptized show the people around you that you've already reconsidered your sins show the people around you that god has already extended forgiveness for you right baptism doesn't save anybody baptism doesn't forgive our sins right we don't believe that but it's a sign that demonstrates you are thinking differently about the God of the universe. You are thinking differently about your own life based on Jesus Christ. Before Carrie and I were married, sorry, honey, I didn't ask for permission for this story, but you're generally cool with it. Um, <clears throat> before Carrie, it's not that bad. Before Carrie and I got married, 
uh, our four years were a roller coaster ride, okay? A, a, a lot of on and off sort of dating. Love was never an issue for us. Our love was always very good. That wasn't the problem. See, our problem was my insecurities fed Carrie's fears. Carrie's fears fed my insecurities. And this wonderful, crazy cycle we would get on would lead to some form of breakup and separation only to realize how dumb we're being and back together and then the cycle starts up again and here we are back and forth. Four years of this, one of my mentors says, you know what you guys put yourselves through, I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy. That's how, that's how bad you know this was, right? So we do this for about four years and then we're apart again. God does an amazing thing in our lives before we can get to this place of being married. Because here's the thing. When we were standing up in that altar, for me specifically, I won't speak for Carrie, but for me specifically, if there was going to be room in my life to believe that this woman would not walk out on me because of the history that I have seen in my family, my family previously, if there was going to be room that I was going to believe that this was a till death do us part, guess what? There could be no room for those lies. That this wasn't going to work out. That we may have a nice time for five years, ten years, maybe twenty. We'll make, we'll hold on until the kids are in college and then we'll go our separate ways. If I was going to have room in my life for that confidence and trust that she was not walking out, there could be no room for those lies that she would. Because... And we have seen this, I'm sure, plenty. Eventually, you buy into the lie. And you live out that lie. And if insecurities are, is, it's what's rooted in your marriage, that will drive you to an unhealthy, ungodly place. Amen? Y'all know it, right? Full confidence, full trust in something. To put full confidence and trust means you put your money where your mouth is, right? Y'all know that statement. You go all in. This morning, you sat down on these red chairs. There was full confidence that this chair would hold you up. Now, you're like, Omar, I never thought about this chair and whether it would hold me up. I just thought about where should I sit, and certainly not in the front center middle here, right? There's no judgment from me, right? You didn't think about it. But here's the reality. In your mind, chairs have held you up more in your life than they have let you down. Amen? Right? They've held you up more than they've let you down. There's full confidence that when you put your tushy on a chair, it will hold you up and you don't even have to think about it. Let me say it a different way. How you behave, how you act, all it does is reveal at the end of the day, what it is you have said yes to. How you act and how you behave, all it does is reveal where your trust and confidence ultimately lie. And the question I have this morning is, Jesus, where your trust and confidence ultimately lie? Do your actions 
show this to be true. So what do you believe? What is it that your actions reveal about where your trust and confidence are in? What is it that you have said yes to in your soul that you have resolved to be true? Friends, there's good news for us. The kingdom of God is near. It's as near today as it was 2,000 years ago. It is at hand. It is within your grasp. The healing, the salvation, the hope, the joy, the peace, the security, the wholeness, the truth, the voice, the presence, the power, the work of God are all still before you today. It's as near today as it was 2,000 years ago. We must reconsider about our sins. And we must put our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to finish up this way. You can throw up that... <clears throat> That last slide, I think, the one with the um, circle. Okay. All right. So this is a resource that for the plant we've been using for, I don't know, however many years. Jersey over here was like, oh, this you're going back to like 2008. What is this, like throwback Sunday? I was like, dude, seriously? So this resource here, you will come back to time and time again. I don't know how fully. It depends on however Pastor Andrew wants to dive into that. But this here is called the Kairos Circle. You remember about 20 minutes or so, I, we, that term kairos is a Greek word for time. The term kairos shows up in the New Testament about 90 times, okay? It, it, it signifies time. But it's not the only Greek word for time. There's another one that we engage with more, and that's chronos. Chronos is time in the linear fashion. It is 11.33 on a Sunday morning. In a minute, in 60 seconds, it'll be 11.34. There's nothing I can do about it. Tomorrow is Monday morning. You have to be back at work. You need to go back at school. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Like, I mean, you can clock out. You can call sick. You can fake a little injury, right? But at some point, you got to go back, right? That's Kronos, right? Tomorrow's Monday. The next day's Tuesday. Friday will never become Tuesday, right? That's Kronos. Time goes, right? I just turned 40. I didn't want to turn 40, but I did, right? 41's coming. Right? Oh, well, you know, the older it gets, the faster it goes. Why would you tell me that? Why would you say that? Don't you see that I'm in a dark place right now, you know? Okay. Kronos, we engage with all, I'm sorry, Kairos, we engage with all the time. We just may not know it. See, Kairos is cyclical time, rhythmic time. It sounds like this. I'm in a season of transition right now. That's Kairos, right? You know when that season of transition started. People are coming in and out of my life. My neighbors are all moving. My friends are leaving, you know. Uh, we're moving. We just moved. You know, I, I don't have a place of stability right now. That's the season that you're in. That's the kairos moment you're in. Man, I'm, I'm in a season of grieving right now. You know when that season started. You don't know, unlike Kronos, when that season 
will end. Man, I'm in a season right now where everything I'm touching turns to gold. You know when that season started and you're praying, Lord, don't ever let that season go away, right? Kairos, season. Here's what we want you to, to walk away with, to pay attention to. As you live, <clears throat> so we'll walk around this tool just a little bit. I, I don't have the time to go in depth. G generally when we do this training, it's like an hour long and we don't have an extra hour. So you see the arrow going from left to right. That's Kronos. You see where the X is. X marks the spot. That's the Kairos moment. That's when we can enter the Kairos circle. These are the moments that God says your time is now. I, I have a time for you. I have a season for you. I have a moment for you. And that time is now. And so X marks the spot. We go into that right side of the circle, which is repentance. The right side of the circle is to repent. Again, it's not I'm walking this way and then I'm choosing to walk this way. No, that time of repentance is God bringing before you some lie about himself, some lie about you that he wants you to reconsider. The question, the main question on that right side of the circle to ask yourself is what is God saying? As good old Americans, we always think that God wants to tell us something to do. We are a doing nation. We are a doing society. We are, you believe you're human beings, right? This is, this is maybe for someone here. In your heart, you're a human being, but your life your action shows you that you are a human doing. And your doing makes you a human being. I've bought into that lie. Maybe you've bought into that lie as well. But God wants you to wrestle with identity. Who is God? Who am I? Who am I in light of Jesus? What is Jesus saying about himself? What is God saying about me in light of Jesus Christ? When you answer that question, then you move to the left side of the circle. And the question on the left side of the circle is, how will you respond? If the repentance that I just went through on the right side of the circle is true, how, therefore, do I now live out my life? So what is your Kairos moment today? We've given some handles. Maybe you came into 2023, you're hopeful, you're wanting God to do something, but man, God just doesn't talk to me like he talks to some people. Ever said that one? Man, God doesn't work in my life like he works in the lives of other people. You ever say that one? Man, it just doesn't feel like God is present. I mean, there's times. There's those three times over the course of the year. There's that one song that I sing that gets me all teary-eyed and moved on the inside, right? Those three times that come, and I feel, man, God is so present. But gosh, 353 days out of the year, I feel like I'm in an island by myself. What is the lie that you've bought into that the God of the universe wants you to think differently about, to reconsider? Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to thank you <clears throat> for your word. God, we want to thank you for the hope that we have in you. We want to thank you, God, that you did not just come into this world and leave us with nothing. Lord, you left us with hope. 
you left us with the word that the kingdom of God is near. The time is now. And Lord, that wasn't a time just for 2,000 years ago. No, it's still true today. Lord, I, I don't know where, really, I don't know where anybody is except for myself, God. I don't know what, what are the spaces and places in our lives where we need to repent, where we need to reconsider the truth about God, the truth about who we are in light of Jesus, and to live according to that truth. But God, you know. So Lord, we give space in this moment, Lord. We give space in this moment right now. Just for you. God, bring a word, bring an image, bring a sentence, bring a feeling that would draw us to that place of where we have to say, I need to think differently about this. I think this is it. I think this is what it is for me. God, would you give us courage, Lord, to say yes to you and no to the lies in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> We're going to go into our time of communion. Uh, if, if you didn't get a communion cup, just raise your hand and somebody will help you out. Somebody will bring one to you. Or <clears throat> Go ahead and open up that top portion there. It says this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. As they were eating, as they were partaking in the Passover meal, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it <clears throat> in pieces and gave to it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. This is a moment of repentance for these followers of Jesus. To them, it was, hey, same Kronos, Passover time is here. We've done this together now a few times, potentially. I would imagine they've done it at least twice with him. And now they're doing it again. But Jesus changes the game. Where he would normally just break bread and maybe read, do some reading or something like that. He has them repent. He has them think differently about what God is about to do that very night. My body will be broken. My blood is about to be poured out. And it will be for the forgiveness of many. God is doing a new thing. Let this communion moment be the start of the new thing that God wants to do in your life. Let's eat together. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again 
until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In my Father's kingdom. Friends, Jesus has already sacrificed his life to forgive your sins. You don't have to beat yourself up in this year. So if 2022 was a year of beating yourself up and feeling guilty for whatever it is that your past brought to you, Jesus is saying he's doing something new in your life. He forgives you. He draws you in. And he invites you to his future celebration. Let's drink together. Jesus, we thank you that you are coming back one day. We just celebrated Advent, your first arrival. But God, there is a second Advent, a second arrival that we long for. It is your return, Jesus Christ, where you restore creation. Will you change creation to your original intent? So we long and wait for the day. And in the meantime, we say, come Lord Jesus, come. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.